This podcast is sponsored by Terraform Development is an engineering and architectural design studio company located in Flagstaff, Arizona. Co-owner and founder Eddie Kalnintua supports the Hopi way of life and supports the next generation, including hiring Hopi professionals, individuals like Dr. Brianne Laban from the village of Tewa. Contact Terraform at 928-864-5022, extension 1, or you can email them at info at T-E-R-R-A, the number 4 com, or visit their website at www.terra, the number 4 com to learn more about Terraform development. They can design your next home, manage your next construction project, or fly their latest drone equipment to get aerial views of your project. Also sponsored by Strong Ones. Strong Ones is dedicated to exposing cultural traditions of running that exist within many cultures and tribes worldwide through running apparel. Strong Ones is an individually owned business supporting cultural running traditions and supporting local organizations within the Hopi Reservation. They can be found at strongones.myshopify.com. Again, that's strongones.myshopify.com. They are also on Facebook at Strong Ones 15. You are now listening to the Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. I'm your host, the five-star, five-diamond chef, J-Man. And with me, as always, he thinks he has a voice that sounds like a black woman, Carl. <laughs> My real name is DeAndre, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, a good day today here in beautiful downtown Kikotsmovi, Arizona. In our beautiful home at uh, the Peace Academy Studios. Yeah, so if you guys are in the area, please come down. Join us if you guys want to, you know, listen to us or just laugh at us through uh, through the door here. So We won't let you in, but you can <laughs> watch us through the windows. Yeah, we're like uh, like fishes in a tank. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the last two episodes that we recorded, um, Res Natives and Urban Natives, and then the Hopis and the Navajos, man, I think that my blood pressure probably has skyrocketed. <laughs> All kinds of anxieties developing, wondering who's going to, you know, try to come at, come at me for some of the things that we said. That's a lot of tea that you were drinking there, so <laughs> chamomile tea and everything that's in between. <laughs> well, thank God we had Mike on for that uh, special bonus episode oh, yeah. that we dropped. Yeah, kind of taught us how exactly. to uh, lower our ears, so to speak, to kind of loosen, <laughs> loosen the muscles and kind of, you know, get our lives back on track. And so today, you know, we're coming up, uh, coming up with, well, I guess in a way, this is another controversial issue. Oh, yeah. Um, depending on how you look at it. So I guess you and I, we just like controversy. We, Con- yeah, controversy. we, we love controversy. So, I mean, uh, you know. This in this episode here, we're going to be talking about Hopi economic development. What's economic development? I, you know, we that th- that word has been thrown left and right in council chambers, in meetings all around here, even in schools has been tossing around that word Hopi economic development. You don't have to be a business major or a major. You don't have to go to college to have heard that term economic yeah. development. Yeah. Just being res, most of our res folk have heard of that word economic development. Yeah, exactly. And, and none of us know what it means. 
if we if we say if we say development here, I mean, there people will think that oh, cool, we're gonna you know build jobs out here, have uh, something cool for you know our generation to to stand upon, and and uh, nope, that's not the case. So I mean. Think about think about how we as society um, don't have economic development yet. We we use that word like well, it's, we like to talk about yeah. it a whole lot. <laughs> but we use that word as like you know a casual like we're we're popping M and M's just like that. It's like oh economic development. Pop. This, this is what we need to do economic development. <laughs> and this is a question that I have: if economic development is so important, and it's been talking about since we were kids, and probably even long before that. Why don't we have it yet? I know exactly right, and the the biggest thing here is that uh, Tawa Ovi. I don't know if you heard about Tawa Ovi before. I, I think that might have came across a couple <laughs> of conversations. You it's know, the it's the it's the Hopis that want to get in good favor with you. They'll, they'll talk about oh Tawa Ovi when we get that thing set up. <laughs> You know that that Tawawi has been uh, going on for nearly what thir- thirty years now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, it's been in talk. Uh, every every council meeting uh, has has been brought up with Tawawi. So, and the funny thing is that you know, like uh, many of us are on social media. Your favorite former chairman, in a, nu- numerous of them will be on there talking about Tawawi and you know how they were in favor of it, but for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. <laughs> so, for the outsiders that don't know what Tawawi means or Tawawi is, it's um, it was a place that it was going to be for economic development. I know, and you know the the when they when they were first developing this. Uh, it was about trying to sustain or self-sustain Hopi in a way where they would build like jobs, build housings for them, uh, build a community that people can uh, can work and live and and build. You know, it's like a nice community out there. But with all the the development and planning that Hopi does, um, all they can do is just say, this is Hopi economic development. So there's nothing, there's nothing that has been done with Hopi economic or that Tawaovi, just to let you know. So starting into the topic, so the you know, economic development, you did touch on what some of that means. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a form of sustainability, I guess, um, in the way that Bahamas talk about economic development in a monetary sense, a way to make money to ensure that money stays within our communities, yeah. to make sure that our people have the abilities to acquire that money, whether that's through jobs or other types of uh, avenues, scholarships grants, loans, that sort of thing. And so, you know, uh, for for people that are familiar with our reservation, and we've documented it quite a bit that, you know, the lack of uh, businesses that exist here on the reservation. And so I think that everybody, every politician's favorite conversation does revolve around economic development and what the, I guess, um, projects that we should be pursuing or developing to be able to create these um, this this flow of monies within our communities to ensure that we do have a healthy econ- economy, right? Oh, economy. yeah. So that's what we're trying to develop is the economy. I think everybody here who has or who who's in power, like the tribal council or vice chairman, chairman, um, their whole speech before getting into office was Hopi economic development. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's just like the... 
it's just like a, a, a word that says, oh, okay, that, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> you know, I think this guy sounds pretty cool. Let's vote for this guy here. He sounds like he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> and so, you know, economic development, I guess, in a way, is one of those terms that, you know, it, it sounds fancy. If I yeah. say it, it'll make me sound smart. <laughs> but then, you know, I don't really know what it means, though. But I'm going to say it, you know, we need economic development. <laughs> But then I guess, you know, that term economic development, it doesn't necessarily just mean monies, because if you think about, you know, in the, the Hisat time and the long, long, long ago, that Hopis did have a form of an economy. Yeah. And that there were elements within our villages that were a form of currency. Yeah. And so I think the, the one thing that really comes to mind is that, you know, our, our money, I guess, back in the day really was the, the corn. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And with that, you know, the I guess the older generation says that if you have more corn, the more rich you are, basically. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's that's it's, it's a form of it's a form of economic how we can sustain ourselves or become self-sustaining people. Exactly, because an economy, a healthy economy, doesn't necessarily just revolve around monies because our uh, ancestors proved that you could have a healthy economy with no money. Oh, yeah, exactly. But but it was with corn. And so if you really think about it, if you think about some of the practices that we do, some of the forms of payment that we still do make in our traditional way, like uh, a wedding, for example— or um, other things related to that nature is that sometimes that the payments are made with sakwatnumni, yeah, or they're made with tosi, and so all of those come from corn, yeah, and so that kind of was really the genesis of what our traditional perspective, or at least our traditional uh, framework of what an e- economy was way back in the day, and then you know really that corn really did help sustain a lot of different things within our villages. Not only was it used as a form of payment, but because you know in order to keep our bodies moving and alive, that a lot of our traditional dishes do come from corn, and then other types of things, our spiritual well-being also was aided by having corn to be able to make homa. Yeah, and that you know what what uh, J Man was saying is that um, paying through weddings of uh, blue corn and uh, dosi, you know that those are some of the highest forms of payment to one another. Uh huh. Uh huh. And so with that, you know, it, it it becomes a currency in the Hopi Hopi world. So if you do have corn, you know you're rich. You're rich. You're rich. <laughs> yeah, you're a rich man. And and then, you know, that's kind of a, a common phrase, too, that I heard a lot growing up from the older people. They would always say things like, Siva, Siva, Pampa, Kahimu. Yeah. And they'll always uh, follow it up with, Ita, Ita, Himu, our Hopi belongings, Pampipas, Himu. Yeah. And so that's kind of just like some of that older perspective of what uh, a Hopi economy is. And I I really do think, you know, maybe that's kind of a reason as to why we struggle with this white man's version of economic development is because that we do still have strong perspectives of what that traditional form of economic development or a healthy economy is. And because I remember like that, like being a kid that, you know, you kind of were taught those things about, you know, the value of the white man's dollar doesn't compare to the value of your seats yeah, or to the value of your corn. And so, you know, as, as a young Hopi person, 
I think you carry that message with you and it kind of leads you to believe that pursuing a professional career, uh, pursuing an education wasn't as important as it was to learn how to plant corn to learn how to do some of our other cultural doings. And so I know that when we were kids, and and especially, you know, coming from the village that I come from, coming from the village that you come from, that you really did hear a lot of these conversations around economic development from the older folks, and they give their perspectives on what they thought how we should move forward as Hopi people. And so when you come from the more traditional villages or even the more traditional families, that they talk about the white man's economic development as something as not as important as being uh, pers- as maintaining our cultural ways, as maintaining our cultural life practices, such as farming being something that was so important. So I kind of remember being a kid and you know, being kids, being Hopi kids, you know, we were always mean to each other. Oh, yeah. And we'd yeah. find reasons to kind of uh, belittle each other or to, you know, say, you know, my village is better than your village or, you know, all, all that all that fun stuff, the stuff that we like to do. But I remember being a, a kid and just even hearing that word progress or progression was always kind of perceived as a negative word. Because progress or progression to us meant that you were trying to be more pahana and less Hopi. Yeah. And so it was almost an insult to be called a progressive Hopi. Yeah. Or to be from a progressive village. And then like now, I think obtaining the the knowledge that I have now, and especially in that uh, context of a white man's form of economic development, that I do think that progression isn't a bad thing anymore. No. Like when I did when I was a kid, that I know that there are some aspects of progression that we should incorporate within our practices as a tribal government or as um, Hopi villages. Because um, at least in my opinion... And I'll use this village as an example. And um, no, <laughs> I hope no, none of my friends or relatives from this village <laughs> take it as disrespect. But I always believe that the upper village of Munkapi is probably by far the most progressive villages out of all the villages. And, you know, when you visit that area where, where up top is, we refer it to as up top if you're from Munkapi, that it's visually significant that you can see how progressive that village is in comparison to like Atkeve, Lower Munkapi or like Oraivi or the village that you're from, Hotvela, because within their belief system of need, this need to be progressive for their for themselves they established a hotel there's a Denny's a gas station and numerous other businesses. And I think you used to work for one of those entities as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I used to do that. I used to be their uh, chairman over there. So, <laughs> yeah, top top tier. Well, well, that's fitting because they, they do let a lot of those Skiabuk <laughs> bits run their village around their <laughs> Okay, that was disrespectful. I'm sorry. <laughs> this paid sponsorship was paid for by Justin Villarreal. Nurturing Indigenous Intelligence is a grassroots organization whose mission is to assist our Indigenous students in their pursuit of education. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram to keep up with upcoming distributions. Uh, well, anyway, well, talking about like the, the economic development, I, I think that it, it hope he wants to be part of trying to self-sustain and and you know getting confused with self-sustaining versus like a handout i think that they're very 
very, very different aspects of how we perceive uh, economic development. Oh, we know all about handouts. Oh, yeah. You know, if <laughs> if it's free, you know, we'll, we'll probably be in line with it. If it's free, sign me up. <laughs> So, you know, and that's that's the point of how Hopi looks at the Bahana world or that's how Hopi looks at a mainstream society is that if you don't have money, then you don't have uh, you don't have like your like a, you're not self-sustaining or you don't have value or you don't have value. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's it's strange how different people or different Hopis think like that. It, it's. It's not just because it's a money, money wise. It's because maybe we we have value in different aspects of of growing up. Like you know, like what we were saying before is like the corn. Corn is more valuable than money. You know, corn is more valuable than than anything else, and that's why we we make sure that we grow that in a precious environment, and that's mm-hmm, why we mm-hmm. have ceremonies that that can uh, accompany us or help us along the way to help us sustain to have our self sustaining moments there. So, you know, I mean, of course, when you when you talk about siva, everybody will probably be saying, you oh, know, that's not. You know, that's mm-hmm. you know, and and then when you hear about that, but it's it's not it's not just not Hopis, it's actually everybody's. Everybody needs it to kind of survive in that in in this now world. Definitely. And you know, I think that, you know, for us that are living here on the reservation, you really do see the change. You do see the change in where we put our priorities because we've talked about before how our kwa'as used to be the ones that used to be at the fields. Yeah. Because they understood and recognized the importance of that Hopi version of wealth. And so they were there. But now us growing up, you know, it's not all the time that we want to eat our Hopi foods. No. Sometimes we want that Nintendo Switch (laughs) or we want that Xbox or we want, you know, other types of things to keep us entertained. And so, you know, we recognize that, well, corn can't get me that. Yeah. I got to get that Siva. Yeah, exactly. You know, your your mom doesn't pack you a a corn saying that this is uh, currency. Go use this outside. So (laughs) this is to pay for (laughs) your lunch at school. This is to pay for your lunch at school. Here's a kaya for you. So... And I think that, you know, with that kind of that, I guess that change in the way that kids are growing up these days yeah. is that I think that less children are probably uninterested in farming or uninterested in some of the ways that we handle the old currency. Yeah. You know, so I yeah. know that, you know, we've talked about growing up as kids and, you know, not wanting to be at the field. And I'm yeah. sure some yeah. of the young girls get uh, frustrated when they're being forced to help clean corn or uh, grind corn in that area to be able to help create this yeah. um, currency that in our traditional ways. And so now we're really kind of, I guess, putting our, our eggs in this Bahana version of an economy, putting all of our eggs in that basket. And right now we're struggling. Yeah, we are. We are struggling not because we we don't you know necessarily see money as a value. We just don't have the means of economically self-sustaining or trying to get 
uh, money flowing into the the Hopi tribe here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, we've talked about what an econ- an economy is, economic development from both sides, the the Bahana side and the Hopi side. So in regards to the Bahana side of economic development, what are some of the barriers that prevent us from being successful in this area? You know, I, I said this on a past episode is that the thing that is preventing us the most from becoming successful is our own culture. And I hate to say that, but it is true in a way because we we value culture so much and it's not a bad thing that we do. It's because we value that more than we value economic development. So, you know, when we, when we say that we're going to build a grocery store or we're going to build like jobs out here, we're so stingy with our culture that, you know, something's going to happen to us or we're moving too fast in a way. So it's it's our own culture and it's our own beliefs of what we what we see in Bahana world versus Hopi world. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that point that you made really does make Hopi very unique yeah. in regards to our place amongst other minority groups, even amongst other tribes, because we've talked about it to quite an extent on this podcast about how unfortunately that there are a lot of tribes that have lost so much yeah. that it's easier for them to really go head on into this uh, white man's econ- econ- idea of Economy, yeah. Economy. (laughs) Economic development. You say it so many times. Yeah, exactly. And it twists your tongue. But there are those tribes that don't have that barrier or that restraint uh, as a result of a lot of the culture and language loss so that they do go head on. Um, Because I know that um, some of the issues uh, that you said in regards to being stingy, another thing that we're stingy with too is also our land. Oh, yeah. That the land issues always come up. And that's the reason why when we go back to Tawaovi, that Tawaovi is not going to be built on Hopi land per se. It's not going to be built in any village around here. It's going to be built, I think it's like 20, 30 miles out from the reservation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, and it, it, it's a way of saying that, oh, okay, we kind of respect the ideas of Hopi culture and Hopi ideals, but yet we want to be Bahana so much that we'll, we'll do our means of, of doing that on the outside of the reservation. Mm-hmm. I think what you mean is that it's not going to be on anybody's village land. Oh, yeah. It's not going to be on any village So it'll land. still be on the Hopi reservation, just it won't be on anybody's village yeah. land. And so, you know, that's kind of one of the first lessons that you learn when you walk into Business 101 is location, 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 yeah. location. Yeah, exactly. That you need places to establish a business or to establish a chain of um, structures that'll help you to create this activity that'll help to sustain economic development but because of all the Hopi villages do have control over their own lands that it becomes very difficult for any type of person that has ambition that wants to create any type of enterprise to be able to create an effective business on any of these lands because they're all owned by different villages. Yeah, and like, you know, in the past episodes, I mentioned that uh, each of the each of the villages around here, the 12 villages, are not governed by the tribe itself. They're self-governed by them, their, their own village. So they have their own board, they have their own leader, whether it be traditional or whether it be a board that is sitting uh, for them. But, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult situation to say that we, we are 
we're one people, but we're not one people. <laughs> we like to preach unity, but <laughs> behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. Very much at each other's throat. <laughs> and um, also, too, I think that another barrier that Hopis have with economic development is the fact that we're completely surrounded by another tribe. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of that is because of lost lands that are, and I hate to say, you know, lost lands to Navajos, but it's not their fault to, to do that. It's, it's the government that actually just said that here, you know, we'll just draw a circle here and that, that would be the Navajo reservation. Let's make a little circle here and that would be the Hopi reservation. You hate to say it, but I like to point it out that, <laughs> hey, you guys stole our land. <laughs> And, you know, and, and that, that's kind of the funny thing is that, you know, my anxiety went away from the Navajo episode. Yeah. But now in this episode, now I got to blame the Navajos <laughs> for something again. And, you know, it really is. It really is. I think it does go beyond that, though. Like you're saying, it just it goes beyond and pointing the finger at somebody and say, hey, you took this from us. Yeah. Um, because I, rem- I know that in my upbringing and in my experience, one of the questions I always really used to get annoyed with um, when uh, talking with Navajo friends is, you know, they would always say, why did the federal government put the Hopi tribe in the middle of the Navajo reservation. Yeah. And my response is always, you know, I'd, and I'd say it very annoyingly, is like, they didn't put us there. We were here <laughs> already and you guys grew around us. <laughs> and, but you know, that, you know, unfortunately, like you said, you know, having to point the finger at somebody else, but that really does create issues and wanting yeah. to uh, build an economy because you think of some of the infrastructure that's needed to have a successful business. You need, uh, in this day and age, you need electricity and then you need water. Oh, yeah. And so electricity and water is something that we can't generate here yeah. on the reservation within the Hopi reservation that it does have to come f- from somewhere. And so a majority of the electricity and water is controlled throughout the state of Arizona, either through APS or SRP. And so you have to utilize their electric lines. Yeah. And oftentimes those electric lines have to go through Navajo. Or to build those waterways, it has to go through Navajo in order to get here to Hopi. Even if we do have all of those uh, elements that that produce or that make up a village or like uh, make up a, an economy there, it's the the problem is is that different Hopis see different uh, types of problems with that as well. Like you know, Bambaka Hopi Himat, you know, all of that the traditionalists of of how Hopi perceives that way are still holding true to their mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. what they were been that have them been taught uh, a long time ago saying that by you know pahana bumabi by nikpana you know or you know siva bambai nikpana you know all of that all of those types of elements that that play into that that is the reason why we as Hopis are like very, very last of, of developing in an economic world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think that's true, especially in regards to the water. Because oh, yeah. the idea of bringing water to our lands any other way than praying for it through the clouds in the rain is also considered kahopi. Yeah, it's yeah. something that you don't do. It, our spiritual leaders believe that it disrupts our prayers because we're bringing moisture to our lands outside from the traditional manner in the way that we do it. So that's kind of another way to where our cultural beliefs really do kind of um, are perpendicular, not necessarily parallel with the ideas of economic development. 
The Indigenous Design Collab are Indigenous designers collaborating to bring creative people and ideas closer together through education, communication, and creative expression. They explore, cultivate, and indigenize space. Indigenous Design Collab is having a call for entry starting September 1st for digital artwork for their second annual design show. The theme is Rise to Vote. For more information, they can be found on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it is... I mean, I hate to say that the older generation is wrong, but, you know, again, you know, the, the older generation just doesn't see the the economic side of it, of how Western society um, is is living now. I mean, of course, we can still hold on to our culture and our traditions. We just have to accompany uh, Bahana living or like, you know, the, the white man's uh, way of, of life. Uh-huh. It's definitely, a, a, I guess, a, a tightrope type of discussion, whether on which side you want to be on, because there are progressive hopes oh, yeah. out there yeah. that fully believe that we should be diving headfirst into this idea of economic development and kind of, I guess, in a way, ignoring some of our cultural beliefs and some of our cultural traditions for uh, in in their i guess in in a way for the betterment of all hopis to be able to create an economy a healthy economy out here for us to be able to sustain and there are our uh, hopi traditionalists out there that believe that we should continue to maintain our uh, practices of what we believe in as hopi because essentially in their mind is that's what makes us hopi is that we practice those beliefs. So that's definitely a, a, a tough one to be able to navigate. And so um, what are some successful economic development practices that you've seen from other tribes? Well, you know, like the, uh, I think the most successful thing that that is from other tribes are, is gaming, is is a gaming type of, uh, you know, self-sustaining Economic wise, I guess you could say, what's gaming? Well, you know how you know how like video games, video games, gambling, recess games, <laughs> nothing basketball on the games. not nothing on like Facebook bingo. You know, I know all I know I know several people that have Facebook bingo. That's probably happening right now as we speak. So, and and you know that I think it's it's the gambling part of it is is becoming successful in in most native american tribes and that's kind of like the stereotypical part of it is like you know oh uh natives own casinos right uh-huh, uh-huh. and that's that's part of their uh economic uh development and i mean is, is it good is it good in a way i don't know might be might be for the people i like to play craps so yeah i'd say it's good <laughs> And is, is it bad because it's Nikpana or is it bad because it's Kahopi? It's fun because it is Kahopi. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if, you know, if it, if it, if it feels good, stop, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I think that, you know, some of, at least, and you know, like for, for a lot of us that know very little bit about economic development and when you hear that terms uh, preached often economic yeah. development, uh, the, the first thing that pops into a lot of our minds is Indian gaming yeah. or gaming, as you mentioned, casinos, gambling, 
And um, I think that, unfortunately, what it does create in our minds, it makes us think that that's the end-all, be-all. Yeah. That that's the solution for everything. Let's set up a casino, and then we'll be good after that. Yeah. And I think it, a lot of that comes from stories that we hear about other tribes that do have successful gaming. We hear about some of the benefits that some of those tribal members are able to receive as a result of Indian gaming. And so I know that in the state of Arizona... The tribes that I think about the most in regards to Indian gaming is the Salt River uh, Pima Maricopa Indian community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, down in Phoenix. And then the other one is the Fort McDowell Reservation. I, you know, you know, everybody, uh, all of those gaming tribes, they get per capita, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder if the Navajos are starting to get per capita now. We should have asked our guest. Oh, uh, yeah, that should have been episode. cool. We, we should have asked him. And how do we benefit from that? Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I, I think that, um, and then, well, I guess the, probably the, the most popular casino for Hopis before uh, Twin Arrows opened up in Flagstaff was um, down Cliff, in Camp Verde. Cliff Castle. Cliff Castle. Yeah, Cliff Castle Casino was like the most popular casino there. And you're not res until your parents take you down to Cliff Castle and leave you in the car for about two to three hours with just a bologna sandwich until they go play their games. So... <laughs> Thank God for Kids Quest down in uh, <laughs> that had been built later on. Kids, kids now don't know what it was like. Back yeah, then. exactly. They didn't have no bowling alley. There was no games there. You couldn't go into the casinos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and so you know, with with the, I guess that that um, to me it's a stereotype. You know, it's a stereotype that we see these successful casinos with these tribes and there's some stereotypes that develop from it and one of it is that you m- mentioned is per capita yeah uh, per capita is free monies yeah that tribal me- members um, are gifted uh, and I guess it really just depends on the tribe it depends on how much monies uh, that their casinos make and how successful those casinos are in regards to um, what their per capita payments look like. And I think that, you know, any Hopi or any native person that's ever lived in the Phoenix area, that you've probably come across a native individual that does receive per cap, uh, per cap uh, resources. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, there are several tribes, not including uh, Hopi, that I think that, you know, they if, they, if it's free money, they'll take it. And, you know, talking with several Hopis around here on the reservation, um, you know, they, they said that we need we need money here. We need money to survive. And it, it, it's 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 a strange thought to say that, OK, so if corn is valuable to us, then how how are we going to survive in the future if corn is no value at, at any cost anymore? And so that's that's one thing that we just I guess new Hopis or uh, new generation Hopis don't understand is that we do need that corn and we do need to be self-sustaining still in that Hopi uh, way of Hopi economic. But you just said that's what's holding us back. We need to let that stuff go and, and start letting the poker chips come flowing into the reservation. <laughs> that's living the Pahana life. You know, if you want to live the Hopi life, choose that path. So. <laughs> and, you know, like uh, as, as we're talking about gaming, I, I think that that's also kind of been this new hot topic here on Hopi as well, 
because I think as far back as um, two or three years ago, Hopi was the only non-gaming tribe in the state of Arizona. Oh, yeah. Since then, things have changed. Yeah, actually, we do have a gaming compact now with uh, the state of Arizona. What's a gaming compact? I th- I have no idea. I just saw it on the Duvenis. <laughs> <laughs> I just read it. But it's a new popular term. It's a new popular so term. I don't know what it means. <laughs> How's your gaming compact doing today? <laughs> I think that, you know, the gaming p- compact is just a way to be seated with all of the gaming tribes and make sure that we are part of... Um, of all the decisions of what's going to happen with uh, the the economic side or the economic values uh, of how Hopi is going to further itself. My gaming compact's doing pretty well. How's your doing? <laughs> you know, Hopi, Hopi doesn't, I think Hopi owns several um, slot machines. I, I think, I think they do. I, I'm not, I'm not particularly sure, but I think they do own uh, several of the uh, you know coin slots or whatever the you know the the push button thing, I don't know how to gamble. I I really don't gamble as much. And and so you know a gaming compact it really is that is a new term to our people and a lot of us really don't know what that means a gaming compact or what all of that entails. And so, you know, you mentioned the online gambling that a lot of our people are involved with now on social media. Yeah. The bingos, and I don't even know what some of these games are or how you even play them, but all I see is, okay, choose your numbers. And then, you know, all you see all your relatives or all your friends commenting on the post with the numbers that they want. But I think that recently there was a a post made by the Navajo Nation and their gaming regulatory agency talking about how they review or or they perceive the online gambling that people are involved with on social media as illegal and that it violates their gaming compact. And of course, you know, it created a lot of controversy within their own people. And then Hopis are kind of, you know, laughing and say, you guys can't play your online games anymore. (laughs) But, you know, and that's the thing to us because we don't have knowledge about this because technically in the United States and even on the reservation, because we are a part of the United States, that gambling is illegal. Yeah, gambling is illegal here. And so even the the, um, social media gambling is considered illegal by um, the federal government standards. And so really there are only two states in the United States that have legalized gambling, and that's Nevada and I I believe it's New Jersey, where they have, uh, what is that place called? Uh, something city. Oh, say like, uh, 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 yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's their, their form of, uh, Las Vegas. And so, and the reason why you have casinos in Phoenix and different parts of Arizona, New Mexico, different parts of the country is because those casinos are built on reservations. Yeah. And these gaming compacts that the tribes enter into with their states that they uh, that they occupy are those agreements to say that, you know, we're going to have these casinos, which are considered illegal by the United States because we're a sovereign nation. Yeah. That we can create our own rules and that we're going to establish these gambling uh, businesses and then the state of Arizona uses these compacts as a way of saying that okay you're going to do this gambling enterprise we're going to use this compact to ensure that you do it lawfully and that you do it ethically yeah and so those that's really what a gaming compact is and so you know you can have a gaming compact and not have a casino uh, which is true for our instance with the Hopi tribe, but you are right. A part of that gaming compact is that tribes are only allowed to 
own X amount of uh, slot machines. Yeah. And so every tribe that has a gaming compact that they're allowed it allotted X amount of slot machines. And because of some of these more successful casinos that we know of, like out in Salt Rivers, when we mentioned Fort McDowell, the Gila River Indian community, that they have these large casinos and that they run out of space real quick because they go through their allotment of their own slot machines very quickly. And so tribes that don't have the capabilities to build their own casinos, they're allowed to lease their slot machines that they own into all these bigger casinos to help those casinos to fill up their casinos with the slot machines. But then it also helps like the Hopi tribe, for example, to get some revenue from the slot machines. And see, I think that's where the the kind of confusion of um, like these older generation uh, that, that they don't understand that um, the money that is, is coming in helps the different tribe or the different uh, villages around here. Different programs. Different programs for like uh, like diabetes programs, substance abuse programs. Cancer. Cancer, programs. yeah. All of these programs rely on a funding source. And some of these funding sources do come from uh, a gaming compact, I, I guess you could say, or per se, not necessarily like grants or anything, but it, mm-hmm. they do have uh, like these funds that are flowing from the tribe. Then the tribe gets uh, funding from uh, their slot machines, I guess you could say. So if Solo didn't need an additional reason to hit up the casinos, <laughs> now when she's there putting her coins into the slot machine, she can say, oh, I'm doing charitable work. <laughs> I'm donating funds to my tribe. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm making a self-sustaining uh, ritual here, so <laughs> I'm helping with like, the, the I, economic development. I gotta rub my wootya for a while over <laughs> here at the slot machine. <laughs> so, so I guess uh, focusing on the tribe and our ideas for gaming. How did you feel when you learned that the tribe did sign that gaming compact with the state of Arizona? I was taking out my dollar bills. <laughs> I was like, where's the nearest casino <laughs> around here? You were cracking open your piggy bank. I was, yeah, I was like, uh, K-Town store doesn't have a big enough uh, cash machine to get my cash out. So where's the, the hammer? <laughs> the limit is $200. I need more than this. <laughs> Tommy Candy, you need another ATM in your store. <laughs> you know, when I heard about... Um, the, the gaming compact, uh, I, I immediately thought that, you know, or people immediately thought that we're going to build a casino here on the reservation and then everything's going to go haywire and then, oh, there goes our culture. But in actuality, you know, it's, it's to help uh, sustain us a lot better. It's to help uh, the villages uh, repair their uh, their water or their power lines or different houses. And is is that considered dirty money? I don't know. I don't know if that's considered any type of money when you look at it. But you know, in in all aspects of how we see uh, money coming in, it should just be seen as uh, a helping hand to Hopi tribe or to the Hopi villages around here. Dene Mahapi Arts is a modern art made with traditional values. Dene is involving artists who is innovative through her artwork, while incorporating contemporary modern trends and bright colors being the base of her work. Hopi traditional elements is her main focus, giving her artwork an intricate finish. 
Though she's living in today's modern society, she paints meaning and value of traditional designs to showcase and symbolizes her upbringing out on Hopi. She specializes in customized painting, painted earrings to her colorful, bright canvas paintings and much more. Danae can be found on Instagram at Arts, where you can find and support her one-of-a-kind art pieces. So now I understand why you were talking to me about your business proposal about opening up a strip club out in uh, Hopi. <laughs> Trying to get the Christie's franchise on, onto the reservation. It'd be called Kahopi, Kahopi G-Strings. <laughs> and you know I, I well I you know I really do think that there are different perspectives on it and you know some people do think the way that you do in regards that you know this this money could really help us out here in developing our programs but you know to be honest I know that when I found out about it I was disheartened I was a little bit upset because that you know the Hopi people themselves have been fighting this idea of being involved with gaming for so long yeah because it did go to council for vote to be voted by the people twice and it was voted down both times and in this way that it wasn't necessarily done by that almost by executive order so that gaming could be available for the people and I did come from one of those quote unquote traditional families where Saul would tell us things you know like oh like the Hopi uh, tribal council you know is, is not the real they're the Tsukka leaders yeah. of the Hopi yeah. people that the real leaders are, are the Monglis in the villages and that was kind of her perspective too that she laid on us in regards to gaming that gaming is Kahopi yeah. And that there are other ways that we can create a, a sustainable economy that doesn't involve gaming. And so I think that was kind of the uh, the opinion that I had when this whole news came that we were uh, now a gaming tribe with this gaming compact. And so, you know, I, I do really think it comes from that idea where we think that casinos are the end-all be-all to all yeah. of our problems, yeah. that once we set up casinos, that it's really going to solve a lot of our problems. But one of the things that I did learn during my studies uh, over at Arizona State University in regards to gaming is that gaming really is only effective for a small population, meaning that not every single tribe that opens a casino has success. No. And so I know that like for the Wallapai tribe, for example, is a tribe that did open up a casino, but since it closed because that they weren't getting substantial revenues from the casino to be able to continue to keep it open, I think that the Navajo Nation has their own experience with the casinos that they've opened up. And I've heard from a lot of tribal members is that, you know, the money that they had to loan to act, to get a loan for in order to build those casinos, the money that they've generated in revenue still isn't enough to pay those loans off. No. And so, you know, those per capita checks aren't necessarily flowing in for our neighbors just yet. And so when you think about some of the most successful casinos, and we mentioned, you know, Salt River, and we mentioned Fort McDowell, those two tribes are, their reservations are right next to two of the most wealthiest communities in Arizona, Scottsdale and Fountain Hills. Yeah. And so that's kind of a big reason as to why their casinos and their gaming is successful because they're right next to a well, to wealthy communities that can help sustain those casinos that they've opened up. And for Hopi, there's no way that, I, in my opinion, that you could probably create a casino on the reservation 
And, you know, it's aside from our so'os and our kia'as and some of our kwa'as that, you know, they'd be the ones visit, visiting. <laughs> and so I think that the idea is that, you know, we're, most of us are familiar with the land that Hopi owns near Winslow. Yeah. That that would be a place to be able to open a casino because then you're right next to, to the I-40. But as I mentioned before, that only in the best of circumstances is gaming successful. And so you think about Fountain Hills and Scottsdale, nothing against the people that live in Winslow or Flagstaff. But, you know, in comparison that, you know, they might not be able to help to sustain a casino if we were to open one in that area. Yeah. And I mean, we do have land that is uh, almost right by Winslow. Uh, we did have like, what was that? Um, um, that that uh, gas station or that travel center, the Hopi Travel Center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, thinking that's near Winslow. Yeah, that's near Winslow. And Hopi <laughs> built that. Hopi has built that because thinking that they're going to be successful in building a travel center out there, but it failed. It failed because it wasn't being, uh, you know, upkept and it, it wasn't being, um, it wasn't being sustained, uh, to say that it was a true, uh, travel center there. Like, you know, in, in different parts of, uh, Arizona, there are travel centers that, that are highly successful, that are highly successful with the, uh, the, the, the Native American tribes. But with our tribe, we, we just don't know how to make money. <laughs> I hate to say that we don't know how. It's just because we are very late to the game of how to be self-sustaining or be self-economically independent. And we think that we think that if we hold out our hands, uh, you know, long enough, maybe uh, rain will fall, and you know that rain will turn into money or coins. So, <laughs> all in all, I mean, we're 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 in this predicament of just we just need we just need some money to rain right now. So, Hopi artists seem to really know how to make money. <laughs> Oh, yes. It makes me laugh that you're quick to throw our own people under the bus, but you're afraid to talk any crap about the the Navajos. (laughs) Because I have Navajo buddies that are like uh, seven foot five and have 300 pounds of muscle. That's why. Choke slam you through a table. And you know this is this is such a broad topic, and there you know there's so much to to consider because really you know we really just kind of talked about our opinions and some of the things that we learn, and so this has a potential to be another two parter oh, yeah. yeah. to potentially bring in some people with uh, who are on the front lines that you know kind of worked and tried to develop the economy for the Hopi tribe or maybe even for other tribes because I know definitely it's such a it's an arduous task, it's a difficult pathway, and like you said because we have such strong cultural um, ties to our traditional ways of life that it does make it very difficult yeah. for us to uh, create an economy out here at least in the in the Pahana perspective because uh, anything that you try to do in the Pahana world almost is always met with oh that's kahopi yeah bumpai kahopi Exactly. And I think it's time for us to step out of here and uh, go our ways for a while. So um, 
Thank you for listening to Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah. And uh, to support us, you can visit anchor.fm forward slash cjpodcast85. So we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, Carl is about to step into his director's shoes. And a YouTube series will be debuting on our YouTube channel in the near future. Oh, yeah. So look out for that. Look out for YouTube. We're going to be debuting a uh, comedy series with the both of us. Uh, titled Two Guys in a Podcast. If you haven't seen it uh, or seen our trailer, go ahead and uh, go to YouTube, search us uh, Carl and J-Man and uh, watch that little video there. So if you want to see the worst acting in the world, <laughs> you know where to go. Exactly. All right. My name is Carl and this is my best friend J-Man. Thank you for listening to Carl and J-Man Save the World Podcast. So long. Quack, quack.